welcome to a radical discussion of independence, free will, liberty, and the left-hand path. This is Damonosophy 2.0 with your host, Paul Frederick. And now it's time for more chaos. Well, I know sooner than dropped the review of the Lords of Chaos episode, and I got some feedback. I got a comment. I got a comment from Lord Caron on SoundCloud. Lord Caron says. Good job reviewing the movie, Paul. Just a thought. I believe that the chaos was necessary to bring black metal into being. Uh, as big of a movement as it is today. On an individual level, yes, it only led to destruction. Just my two cents. Keep up the good work. So, um, let me say, I, I, I totally get I totally get that. And to an extent, I agree with that. I think you're right on. And this is even a theme, really, in the film. Um, Euronymous, the character of Euronymous, basically he narrates the whole film. It's basically first person and he's like narrating all the way through the movie, which is really neat because, you know, part of the way through, I mean, everyone's aware that he's going to die in the end. So you start wondering how are they going to handle this narration piece? And it's really clever how they did it. Like after he dies, then he, he continues to narrate and said, you know, well, that's how... That's how it all, I met my fate and that kind of sucks. But hey, it's not so bad because now we're all famous and I am famous because I'm the inventor of true Norwegian black metal. So it's humorous, but yeah, there's totally an acknowledgement that, well, all that chaos made us famous. All the murder, um, the murder, death and, and destruction made us famous. And... So yes, there's some truth to that, most certainly. But, um, and, and you know, it also reminds me just the way um, Lord uh, Caron stated this, how that, and, and you think about that, that the, the chaos was there in the beginning. That, that reminds me of um, a line from the book uh, Taz by Hakeem Bey. Who's one of the early, you know, in my opinion, one of the early, you know, writers who got like the chaos, whole chaos movement, chaos magic movement uh, going. And, and he says, chaos never died. Chaos is around in the beginning. That's part of the psyche, the, the, the function of chaos, like all creation myths. They all start out, you know, before there was creation, before there was consciousness, there was chaos. There was chaos and darkness. From chaos arises order, which means consciousness. Consciousness arises from chaos. So, so there's a lot to that whole idea. But getting down to the specificity of the Norwegian black metal church burning incident, you also got to keep in mind that, you know, Varg is saying the exact same thing. He's saying without all that chaos, without me stabbing that poser in the head, you know, None of this would have happened. So, I mean, he takes credit for it. He thinks he's a great artist uh, for having done that. And, of course, I think that that is ridiculous and shitty. Uh, again, 
and 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 so there's definitely an element of of bullshit to that another thing to think about is all the other bands who basically say the same thing you got to you got to take this in in the broader context and say this pattern of you know a band member dies and then the band gets big or the movement gets big that's that's not an original thing that happens all the time okay yeah you know Stu Sutcliffe you know, from the from the Beatles, you have Brian Jones with the Rolling Stones, um, you know, Sid Vicious, you know, John Bonham. All I mean, there's there's numerous examples, and this this is the thing that that people would talk about um, back in the day when I was on tour and stuff. And um, you know, the Electric Hellfire Club. You know, they went through a thing where the keyboardists. Uh, Shane Lawson, a.k.a. Reverend Dr. Love, died. And and there's this idea out there in, in music that, you know, someone has to, there has to be a sacrifice for someone to, for the, for the band to actually make it or the movement to actually make it. And that's an interesting theory to think about, but ultimately it's like kind of superstitious. And ultimately I think sacrifice of any human life is like unsatanic and unleft-hand path, um, you know, uh, you know, crack crack open the good old Levee Satanic Bible for more on that. You know, anyone who does magic, any true black magician, should be able to summon up the energy and the will and the wish within themselves without having to uh, take the precious gift of life from another living organism unnecessarily. So, so that's what it is. But there's tons of other examples of this happening in in music and in the history of rock. One difference is that most of them are deaths. Most of them are accidental deaths. Either, you know, you know, Buddy Holly Buddy Holly dying in a plane crash or all of the, you know, drug overdoses, Hendrix and, you know, Janis Joplin, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one exception um, is, you know, Sid Vicious was also a possible murder and that that's what makes the the black metal stuff different is it wasn't a suicide it wasn't an accidental death it was a very intentional violent brutal murder so it's even beyond Sid Vicious in that respect because you know it was always a question with Sid Vicious you know Sid said that he didn't stab Nancy Sponge and it was the people next door um it was very it's kind of unbelievable, though, and not really backed up by any evidence. And then he died before it ever went to trial. So a lot of people assumed that, you know, Sid just stabbed her in a in a uh, in an angry fight, which they had lots of times when they were Jones in for uh, heroin. And that's very possible. And that's how they portrayed that in the movie, Sid and Nancy, too. So. Um, so that's another, I think, the only other example from the rock uh, anals, annals, anals, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, um, history where there was a murder rather than a suicide. But in the Sid case, it's a possible accidental murder and she only got stabbed once, not like, you know, like Varb st- stabbed Euronymous like 30 times in the back and twice in the head after driving, you know, two hours with his knife. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty, pretty different and unique in, in that sense. Um, the thing is, is that 
you know, chaos, when you take chaos as um, its itself and you and you look at it from the realm of Western philosophy. And and don't get me wrong, I'm a chaos fan. Okay, I I like Lieber Nolan's Psychonaut. I think that's one of the best um, you know books on on magic out there, and and sigil, sigilizing is one of the uh, most effective occult systems out there. But if you take chaos, the idea of chaos as a chaos used as a philosophy, which Chaos magic is probably really the the only one, only thing only example of, of chaos utilized as a philosophy, a philosophy. Although some people say some elements of Taoism um, partake of, of chaos, but uh, I would argue it's 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 not um, at all in the same camp. This really, if you take all of this and you and you put it in the realm, analyze it from the perspective of Western philosophy, and there is no ideology or or system or school of thought that exists in the world that cannot be analyzed from the perspective of Western philosophy and in particular the ideas of Plato, Aristotle, and Kant. And, and I think any uh, philosophy professor would verify this and also uh, the the great uh, philosopher Leonard Peikoff wrote a book about this called The Dim Hypothesis where he uh, talks about uh, three modes uh, an integrated mode developed by Aristotle a misintegrated mode which tra- traces to Plato uh, misintegrated, and, and these terms are in reference basically to the soul of, of man, man in relation to the universe, because that's what philosophy talks about. It talks about what the universe is and then what is man's relation to that stuff. And Aristotle's system integrates man with the real world. Plato misintegrates man with the real world by illustrating a world that is metaphysically composed of a material universe and then a non-material ide- ideological ideal uh, universe. And then there's the disintegrated mode, which is traceable to Kant, which holds that the real world is unknowable. It is absolutely unknowable by us and therefore, in some sense, doesn't really exist. You know, Plato says, no, there is a real world, but we just can't see it. And if we make lots of efforts and we find, you know, wise people, philosopher kings to to guide us, then we can see the real world. And that's the basis for a lot of a lot of religious systems uh, have the basis of that. And then the Aristotelian mode, integrated mode, holds that uh, man is integrated with the universe and you can see the universe as it is. You can see yourself as you really are and you can see the real world that you live in and you can carve out your own place for it. And, you know, Ant- Anton LaVey's, um, you know, brand of Satanism very much fits into that integrated uh, mode as an example for that. The Kantian mode, the disintegrated mode, I mean, this is where chaos magic exists because the idea in the Kantian mode is that since you cannot perceive reality as it is, uh, since it's not even possible, 
then really um, a lot of things don't matter. Maybe just like, you know, pleasure seeking matters, but then even that doesn't matter because everything's kind of transient. And there's a lot of variations on this. But ultimately, um, that's where, where chaos falls. Um, also, incidentally, uh, postmodernism and many of the um, ideologies that are in line with that also would fall into this realm of the disintegrated Kantian mode. And if you read, um, you know, Derrida, postmodernism, if you, if you look into that enough, you're going to find references to Kant. So um, this isn't just made up. You, you'll act, you can actually trace back the influences in these systems pretty clearly to these philosophers. So all that being said, that is where chaos falls that is where also nihilism falls the whole system of nihilism and this is where the idea of nihilism comes from it comes from the kantian mode of perceiving the universe so what is nihilism about well it's like nothing ever goes anywhere and so why bother and this is you know also the basis of existentialism most existentialist movements um, fall into this category as well so that's where chaos falls as a philosophy. That's where, um, so that's where black metal falls as a form of music. Now, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing to try and fit music into these kinds of structures. And I want to say Leonard Peikoff in his, his book, The Dem Hypothesis, he stayed away from music. Uh, you know, he talks about, art and philosophy and literature and political systems how they all um, fall into these three modes but as I recall he really specifically avoids music uh, part of the reason being he said I just I don't know music that well and that's just too big of a of a weird thing so I mean right away I can go back to say um, you know, something like, like Bach, that's probably um, in the platonic mode because there's a very, due to the spiritual transcendent nature of it, uh, the reliance on, on, on masters, only certain masters uh, really do music in that system. So maybe the classical music falls in there. Um, maybe uh, folk music might fall into the integrated Aristotelian mode because it's all very, it's done by by people who are ordinary people. It's generally about um, real life concerns. And then a lot of the, certainly black metal, I would say that falls into the Kantian mode. So I, I guess I am kind of trying to fit music into the, the dim hypothesis model now, um, even though I didn't really set out to do that. But I would say chaos magic falls into that mode. Certainly, um, you know, noise music, uh, experimental, industrial, you know, a la uh, Throbbing Gristle and things like that uh, would fall into the uh, disintegrated, disintegrated Kantian mode. And they're all also very uh, chaotic. So uh, I, I could see that being in there. And again, I'm not saying don't listen to the music. I'm not saying don't listen to the music. It's just music. That's what I'm saying is to realize it's just music. Don't become a slave to it and dedicate your life to it, to any form of music, really. I mean, the 
the function of music in your life is to enjoy it at certain times, let yourself get lost in it for a moment, lost in the rhythm and the vibe and the and the feel of it. But you don't want to become a slave to it. And you know, this was my my point in relation to chaos and and, and black metal is there's the examples of people who did make themselves slaves to it and it literally led them into um a, led them down a path of chaos and nihilism and eventually self-destruction so that's all i'm saying about it is that you have to take a a conscious role in the influences that are going into your head and you have to understand that you are the master you are the causal force. You are the one who decides what you're going to in, enjoy, what you're going to consume in terms of impressions. And that if you take in nothing, if you take nothing in other than shit, then all you're going to be able to produce in the world around you is shit. It's just the basis of magic. It's just the basis of magic, people. If you want to produce wine rather than grape juice, then you need to take in um, a higher substance and you need to do something creative with it rather than just taking in the shitty substances and, and more shitty substances and more and more and more. You just need to not be a slave to it all. That's all I'm saying. And yeah, chaos is there. I know chaos is there. And we all, you see, one of the things that um, we talk about, so you don't want to fully give yourself to chaos. And at the same time, you can't entirely exclude chaos because chaos is just, you know, the randomness of the, of the universe around us. So you, certainly you can't totally exclude yourself from it either. But what you have to do is determine your relationship with chaos. Determine your relationship. And just, just acknowledging that you have a relationship with chaos is a step in that direction. So uh, the, the writer uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, who wrote the... Um, very excellent book, Fooled by Randomness, and talks a lot about the different cognitive biases. Um, in many ways, you know, I, I think Nassim is responsible for this uh, term, cognitive bias, getting so ingrained in our culture. And there are some, you know, I have some issues with it, which maybe I'll talk about in another podcast, not with cognitive bias, but with how people use this term. But before I fall down a rabbit hole with that, you know, he talks about risk tolerance and, 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 and all in investors, um, economists talk about risk tolerance. And if you want to get into investing, that's one of the first things that you have to do is you have to determine your own risk tolerance. Uh, can you tolerate? Can you deal with a lot of risk? Or do you, do you not like a lot of risk? Too much risk like make you nervous and, 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 and stressed out. Um, and everyone has to decide that. Anyone who's going to invest has to decide that for themselves. So it's the same way with magic. 
that you have to understand your chaos tolerance. And actually, it's the same thing with anything in life. You have to understand your risk tolerance. You have to understand your chaos tolerance. So how much, uh, how far are you willing to risk what you have? Or how far do you, do you feel the need to, um, as, as some have said, manage your downside, right? To make things, things confident. Like people like read tarot cards. They look at the tower card and they like to talk about, well, the, the tower, one of the things that this card means is that you have to build a, a, a stable foundation or else whatever you build on top of it, you know, the tower you build on top of it is, is, is going to be rickety. It might be subject to chaos. It might fall down if your foundation isn't strong enough. And all this is a metaphor for how you build yourself in terms of risk tolerance. Do you need a really strong base or are you okay with like not so strong of a base? Are you, can you, can you stand the idea of rolling with the punches a little bit more? And I'm not saying, you know, you know, conservatism or liberalism in regard to your risk tolerance is, is better or worse or one way is better, but that um, everyone in the process of self-analysis and in becoming a more super substantial being, a more solid individual has to go through their own process of determining their own risk tolerance, of determining your own relationship to chaos. And none of these guys who are in the black metal thing did that, obviously. They gave themselves, they just gave themselves over to it. And I mean, that could be like a, a phase of youth that people go through where chaos is a little more prominent. I think everyone goes through that. You feel like you're going to live forever. You know, you're going to, you know, you're going to live forever. You're going to be a star one day. You just know it for sure. You're not worried about, you know, if you're ever going to have to pay the bills or, or anything like that. And, and it's a lot easier to get pulled into chaos at that age. That's why, you know, all these, all these crazy suicides and deaths happen to people, you know, in this age category from late tween, late tweens, <laughs> late teens to, you know, early twenties or something like that. So anyhow, that's it. That's enough for chaos revisited. Everyone, you know, my, 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 my suggestion is spend some time thinking about chaos and what your relationship to chaos is, what your risk tolerance is in relation to the world around you. If you just spend a little bit of time doing that, you'll be a little bit better armed to go out there and keep those dark fires burning. <laughs>